so often throughout the course of history, patriots rise up at a time of need for truth and freedom. These people are called disciples of liberty for their undying love of freedom. The call has been sounded. Will you answer that call or sit back and let freedom die away? Unifying patriots everywhere against the evil trying to destroy America's freedom. You're listening to the Disciples of Liberty radio show on the America Out Loud Network. Now here's your host, Brian Hyde. Hello there, and welcome to the Disciples of Liberty. I'm Brian Hyde. Thank you for tuning us in on the America Out Loud Network. You feel like you have your work cut out for you? Just trying to uh, know what's real and what isn't these days? Okay, maybe I'm alone in this. Maybe I'm the only one who's who's struggling to uh, to keep that grasp on reality, but it sure feels like our, our, our uh, it takes great effort to maintain your sanity in times such as these. And and just to, you know, just to set the tone for, for today, I'm going to warn you right now. There's a very good likelihood I'm going to make you uncomfortable, possibly even angry with me. And I just want to make this very clear, no matter where I go in the course of this program, my goal is not to convince you that you're dumb or that you're evil or otherwise to antagonize you and make you feel as though, you know, somehow you are lesser. But I'm going to beat the drum pretty hard about why it is so important that we question everything. There is so much propaganda that's being directed at us right now that uh, it's it's almost difficult to comprehend. And I want to just kind of put some historical perspective on the, the concern over, you know, a propagandized citizenry. I don't know if you're familiar with the great books of Western civilization, but back in, I think it was 1952, University of Chicago, uh, Mortimer Adler and uh, Robert Hutchins, I believe. I'm sorry, his name is escaping. I think it's Robert Hutchins. Sat down with a group of scholars to compile essentially the canon of Western civilizational thought. And it was a 54-volume or 56-volume set of uh, the collected writings of of, uh, Western civilization. I mean, we're talking, you know, Aristotle, we're talking Plato, we're talking Kepler and, you know, science, poems, you know, great, uh, great works that have stood the test of time. And they did this because they felt, again, this was in 1952, that somehow that classical liberal education, meaning that that broad education was escaping the public or it was being phased out of what students were learning in the course of either their their uh, public schooling or even their, their higher education. And they didn't see this as just, well, this is kind of a disturbing trend that we're, we're not learning old, irrelevant stuff. They actually saw it as a calamity. And the phrasing that they used when they compiled this, uh, they, they actually had a book, the very first book in the first volume in the series was called The Great Conversation. 
And I love the imagery that this evokes because it, it talks about how humanity throughout its history, particularly its recorded history, consistently asks itself many of the same questions over and over again. What is virtue? What is justice? What is good? What is love? What is evil? And these are just a handful of of the the questions that, that are asked. But it seems like human nature dictates we always come back to struggling with some of these same issues. And it's true in our day as well. But here's what's so fascinating to me. The great books of Western civilization, this this uh, series was compiled, and I believe published by, uh, was it Britannica? I can't remember. But it was done because Hutchins and Mortimer Adler felt that uh, there was great danger in the, the citizenry becoming um, deficient, intellectually deficient in what they fed their minds. And I'm paraphrasing this a little bit, but the the concern they had was that, and remember, this was 1952, so this was long before the internet, this is long before smartphones or other screens, you know, that that would be uh, showering us with, with propaganda. But they spoke of a great blizzard of propaganda swirling around the populace and how people could be bamboozled by those who either beat the drum the loudest or simply had the most persuasive, you know, way of presenting their information. And their concern was by not studying the works of the great minds that came before us, by the way, some of whom were wrong in some of their conclusions. Aristotle, for instance, believed that, hey, slavery is a natural part of humanity, meaning some people are born to rule and some people are born to be slaves. Because, frankly, it's hard to rule when you're trying to take care of all the, you know, difficult stuff like, you know, keeping crops in the field or tending to the animals or keeping the house clean. That's what the slaves were for. They're there to take care of the mundane details while the thinkers, the rulers, you know, were able to, you know, do what they did best. Now, that attitude today would be abhorrent. People, whoa, what is he talking about? But it doesn't change the fact for notwithstanding that uh, blind spot, Aristotle was still a remarkable thinker. And if you want to truly become a great thinker yourself, not necessarily, you know, an Aristotle, there can only be one of them, but just someone who can understand what's going on around you and effectively ask the right questions, weigh situations, measure, contrast, compare, and get to the root of problems that are needing to be solved You've got to order your thinking. You've got to learn how to think in ways that are currently above, you know, your your current thinking level. Well, reading old books, reading those classic works of Western civilization will do it. Not because they will have all the answers to, well, what do we do if, uh, you know, for instance, Russia were to invade Ukraine? What can what can we do? It's not like they were offering specific answers to every situation that we would run into so much as. They offer insights into human nature that give us options and ways to approach our problems with a, with a broader perspective, with the ability to, to know what we should be asking in order to get the kinds of answers that we need to, to know how to proceed. Okay, this is, this is how to train yourself to be a problem solver. And this is the concern. We're worried that people, if they don't, if they don't 
propaganda proof themselves. They're going to be bamboozled and misled. And and this was one of the great concerns that um, Hutchins and Adler had was that as you fail to think clearly, you lose your ability to govern yourself. And there will always be people who are willing to step up, take over and, you know, tell you this is what you have to do. So they were very concerned about this. And one of the things that that they talk about is, you know, if you have leisure time, time outside of when you're you're working to provide for your basic necessities, food, clothing, shelter, etc. We think of leisure time as, well, that's when I need to jump on my ski-doo and, you know, go out and, and play in the snow or something like that. They talked about how leisure time is where you bolster your skills to live as a free individual. In other words, by building your mind, by building your ability to run your own life. So this probably sounds like, okay, so you're just doing an infomercial for the uh, the great books of Western civilization. Look, all I'm suggesting is you go to a garage sale, there's a very good chance you could find a, a um, library of these books. Like I said, I think it's a 54-volume set. They did a later version with, I think, 62 volumes. But you can find these books for a fraction of what people paid for them new. And most of the time, they're still in new condition. They've hardly ever been cracked. They just they make great decorations. Yes, you like my leather-bound books here on my bookcase? I look smart, don't I? Here, let me put some spectacles on now. Now, how smart do I look? But very few people actually crack them open and read them. And it's understandable why, because it's it's hard. It takes effort. You will work up a sweat mentally trying to understand what Plato was saying in his, uh, you know, in his Republic. But it's worth it. When you force yourself to reach for things that are above your head, you strengthen your mind just the same way that you strengthen your body when you exercise. And in the privacy of your own home, in the space of, you know, a, a few minutes a day, 10, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day of actual study and contemplation, you will learn how to think more clearly, how to organize your thoughts. You'll also be kind of surprised to realize that, you know, I, I don't know about you. I thought of, you know, the guys back in ancient Greece. Oh, yeah, a bunch of guys running around in togas and, you know, gesticulating to the sky as they orated for the people around them. And, you know, the Greek chorus sang behind them. We think of them as primitive. But if you actually read some of the, the ideas and ideals that they grappled with, a lot of the same stuff that we struggle with economically and, and morally and yeah, human nature has not changed. Technology's changed. Human nature is still very much the same. So if you want to propaganda proof yourself, one of the best things you can do is start reading old books and really working. Uh, you know, I don't mean just breeze through and read. Okay, I read the words. I don't understand the thing they said. Sitting down, forcing yourself to go slow enough that you actually comprehend what you're reading. Now, that could be slow going. That may mean you have to stop every few words, break out the dictionary, and see what what exactly does this mean, and only proceed when you actually understand it. But when you do that, you train yourself to be a better thinker, to be a person who can recognize error or incompleteness in, in someone else's facts when they're being presented. I'm not saying that you'll never be wrong, but uh, you'll be wrong a lot less often if you're putting some active effort into it. So, 
Let's start with a couple of examples of, of why that, that kind of critical thinking is so necessary today. I want to start with, uh, first of all, have you noticed how the folks who pushed the hardest on the COVID narrative are now quietly backing toward the exits? Got a couple of great articles here from conservativetreehouse.com. This one says it always starts with a cultural shift. The totalitarian left begins backing toward the COVID exits. Now, in case you missed it, March, the 1st of March has been declared as the unofficial end date for COVID-19 as a political weapon. Domestically, the political leftists who weaponized science for their totalitarian control have decided it's time to head for the exits and were supposed to ignore the last two years of brutal impact they inflicted on society. You can always spot the shift by looking at how Hollywood and pop culture are triggered by the messaging from the political crew. Once given the nod, there's a silent move toward the exits while everyone is distracted. Now, of course, the exit strategy is always frustrating for those who've watched this play out. The Saturday Night Live segment I'm about to play an excerpt from is presented as humor, but when you recognize the inherent message, there's really nothing funny about it. I'm so glad we're doing this. My favorite restaurant with my favorite people. Honey, I agree 100%. You know what? This is so fun. Dinner is on us. Oh, uh, wow. But, um, Keith, you know you can take your mask off at the table. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know I'm wearing it half the time. Well, I heard the CDC is going to lift all mask mandates soon. Oh, yeah, I know. It's so weird. It's it's like COVID's not over, but it's just going to stop. I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, you know, that reminds me of this article I read. Honey, no one wants to hear about that. (laughs) Well, it was in Bloomberg, and I thought it was interesting. What, uh, what article? Well, it Honey. Was, it was just saying how mask mandates had, I don't know, little to no effect on COVID. They all have absolute looks of horror on their faces as the camera goes from person to person. Oh, no. We can't talk about that. A glass breaks in the guy's hand. I'm sorry. It's not like I'm anti-mask or anything. I just sometimes wonder if any of the things we did actually helped. Gina. No, no, no. We can talk about this incredibly complicated and emotional topic. Yes, yes, of course. I will start because, um, for instance, while I am so personally relieved that I'm vaccinated. Careful. I, just, I sometimes wonder if, um, if other people who are hesitant, careful, <laughs> might not have, like, a valid... What? <laughs> not valid, but, but understandable... Not tonight! Help me. I think what she means is maybe sometimes we are a little overzealous when we condemn... Oh, no. I just think that if people are actually losing their jobs... Oh, no. Careful, girl. Look, vaccines save lives. Fact. Okay? They stop the hospitals from being overrun. Fact. Where are you up to? But did I have to dump my oldest friend just because he didn't get a booster? The look of horror is back. So you get the picture. You get the picture. There, it's it's all funny. Ha ha ha! Now we can joke around about this. 
But remember, the left weaponized COVID for their political needs. However, according to this article in conservativetreehouse.com, within this COVID fiasco, there were real victims. Many people lost incomes, small businesses were closed, families torn apart as people were caught up in the frenzy. And all of that is now positioned as a joke, (laughs) as the professionally left try to find a way to tell their tribe it's over. Are we supposed to forget the pain they inflicted as loved ones were choking in anguish, unable to visit family in hospitals? Or the funerals that were not permitted, the catastrophic damage to our children's lives, the massive ridicule deployed with maximum snark in their condescending attacks against anyone who did not kneel at the altar of COVID virtue signaling. All of it, all of it now boiled down to just a few jokes as they walk backwards trying to avoid the political fallout. They're declaring victory and moving on. The article says they are sick people. They promised the invisible thing that was going to kill you has now left the room. Isn't that funny how that shift took place? Wow, that was quick. And we're supposed to forget, apparently. Well, maybe maybe we shouldn't forget quite so quickly. Now, I want to follow up with, with another Article. This is also from the same contributor, Sundance, at conservativetreehouse.com. This one's titled, Question All of It. The current Western propaganda for Ukraine is epic in scale. And they reference this, this article that I just shared, including the clip from Saturday Night Live, saying, when we shared yesterday that all interested observers should be wary of the information from media sources, there was a reason for that. Question everything. Take nothing at face value. And there's some really great visual examples that you really probably should see for yourself. Now, because I'm a nice guy, I'm going to include a link in the show notes so that you can scan these uh, these pictures with your own eyes and see for yourself. I'm looking at pictures and uh, look, oh, it's President Zelensky from the Ukraine. Dressed up in full battle gear Helmet, body armor, uniform, inspecting the border. This is on April 9th of 2021. And then I'm looking at an article right next to it. The exact same photographs. I mean, there's, they are exactly, they're, 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 it's, it's the same photos. Only this is under this new headline, Ukraine president fighting on the front lines. You see what they did there? I mean, do you see the the sleight of hand? This is why you have to question everything. The article says, if you've never experienced the propaganda push surrounding war, the totality of the inbound BS can be destabilizing, overwhelming, and unnerving. And it's one of the reasons why Conservative Treehouse doesn't share immediate information. Because everybody has an agenda. They say everything we are seeing in the U.S. media surrounding U.S. interests in Ukraine is a massive propaganda operation with the headquarters in the U.S. State Department and U.S. intelligence community. The sense of sympathy that you are feeling is part of an intentionally manipulative operation from within this D.C. matrix. The images, pictures, videos, speeches, sound bites, and the cinematography broadcast by U.S. corporate media are all purposefully intended to create a very specific outlook within the American people toward the issues in Ukraine. The leftist United Nations and the leftist U.S. State Department will work together on this, just like they've done in prior examples, like Ukraine 1.0, back in 
back in 2014, Libya, Egypt, etc. And it's very easy to become a victim of psychological warfare intended to manipulate our opinions. Now, the article goes on to say the neocons, war-promoting agents uh, working on behalf of the Uniparty and the collective globalist interests are all united in their effort. Unfortunately, almost everything being transmitted from corporate news into our psyche is part of a battle for your mind. And the goal here is to create a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is why people who are familiar with these types of tactics often tap out when the drumbeats get the loudest. The White House, which means the total globalist effort, tipped their hand earlier this week when they defined strategic power and their outlook toward winning the battle for the mind. Everything is about writing a script, creating a narrative, building a better story where the globalists are the heroes. In essence, the strategic power battle is for your mind. This is a quote from Deputy National Security Advisor Dalip Singh. Quote, Ultimately, the goal of our sanctions is to make this a strategic failure for Russia, and let's define a little bit of what that means. Strategic success in the 21st century is not about a physical land grab of territory. That's what Putin has done. In this century, he says, strategic power is increasingly measured and exercised by economic strength, by technological sophistication, and your story. Who you are, what your values are, can you attract ideas and talent and goodwill. And on each of those measures, this will be a failure for Russia. Do you understand what was just said there? Everything in modern warfare is storytelling. That's why it's essential that you question all of it. The stories of the 13 guards on an island telling the Russian naval ship to F off. Yeah, that that was a lie. Turns out they surrendered. The ghost of Kiev pilot, the lady with the sunflower seeds, etc., now all recognized as lies and propaganda. And don't expect it to stop, because it won't. Thus the nature of warfare for your mind. Now I understand, some people are are probably thinking right now, Brian, you sound just like a Russian propagandist. How much is Putin paying you to say these kinds of things? And so I'm going to point this out as gently as I can. Just because I don't believe the side that you may currently believe in doesn't mean that I believe what their opposition is saying either. In this case, I don't trust any of them. I don't trust the American media. I don't trust what the Ukrainian media is putting out. I don't trust what the Russian media is putting out. Well, you got to trust somebody. Really, point, point me in the direction of someone who is actually, you know, putting forth credible information. Then we can talk about it. But even then, I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to vet that information as best I can. I think one of the great things uh, that, uh, that I take away from this article, again, is uh, the idea that conservative treehouse does not share immediate information. When it's a breaking story, they're not rushing to be the first ones out there. Ah, we were first. We got bragging rights. We get to tell everybody about it. Just because everybody has an agenda. And there's times where I see something that is like, ooh, that is a big story. Or that that potentially is some really serious information. And I'm tempted to want to, oh, I better retweet that. Or I better, you know, share this on, on another social media channel. Or I should talk about this on the show. In every instance where I require myself to just kind of, well, take it easy. 
slow down there. Let's see how this plays out, or let's look into this a little bit deeper. Every time that I have done so, I have been so grateful that I didn't jump on the bandwagon and go running, you know, grab the microphone. Everybody, everybody, I have an announcement to make. Frank Sinatra is dead. Uh, Dude, he's been dead for like 45 years. Oh, well, uh, uh, okay, carry on. I don't want to have to be the one who has to walk it back. And oftentimes it doesn't pan out. So, be intellectually curious, be intellectually honest, but above all, be skeptical, question it all. It's essential that we do. This is the Disciples of Liberty on the America Out Loud Network. It's time to rethink COVID disinfection. A study by Harvard, Drexel, and Virginia Tech concluded... We don't have a single documented case of COVID transmission through surfaces. The reality is that COVID spreads mainly through the air. Shared air is the problem, not shared surfaces. The solution is the Genesis Fogger, which uses natural HOCL to disinfect both air and surfaces simultaneously. It's perfect for home or business. NIH says HOCL may well be the disinfectant of choice for coronaviruses. There's nothing more natural or more effective. Genesis fogs at the precise particle size to combat COVID and other harmful pathogens. It's what's missing from your disinfecting protocol. Visit genesisfogger.com. America Out Loud listeners receive a 15% discount with promo code OUTLOUD at genesisfogger.com slash OUTLOUD. The spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America Out Loud. We are the voice of a nation, the American nation that is. This is Malcolm Out Loud. I invite you back to AmericaOutloud.com where the fight for liberty and justice continues. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control label insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Hey, welcome back to the Disciples of Liberty. I'm Brian Hyde. This is the America Out Loud Network. And uh, let me just say, first of all, thank you for doing your due diligence to 
to think about things, to question, to, to seek outside sources. I sure, I sure don't have all the answers. And I'm not going to pretend like, oh, yes, here I sit, you know, fully informed, watching the rest of you fools scurry around trying to figure things out. I'm trying to figure it out myself. But I am convinced there's a lot of misinformation, disinformation, and, and outright pushes for censorship that should have us very concerned in fact, I want to share with you a quick uh, quote here. Actually, this is a quick article from Caitlin Johnstone. Now, Caitlin writes from Australia, and uh, Caitlin is warning that uh, concerns about Russian propaganda have become the latest excuse to expand censorship. This is how it, it affects you and me. She starts with a quote from U.S. Senator Mark Warner who tweeted out last Friday that I'm concerned about Russian disinformation spreading online, so today... I wrote to the CEOs of major tech companies to ask them to restrict the spread of Russian propaganda. Since then, YouTube has announced that it has suppressed videos by Russian state media channels so that they'll be seen by fewer people in accordance with its openly acknowledged policy of algorithmically censoring unauthorized content, as well as demonetizing all such videos on the platform. Google and Facebook Instagram parent company Meta both banned Russian state media from running ads and monetizing on their platforms in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Twitter announced a pause on ads in both Russia and Ukraine. Warner then tweeted, as a follow-up to his tweet, Glad to see action from tech companies to rein in Russian propaganda and disinformation after my letter to their CEOs yesterday. He said, these are important first steps, but I'll keep pushing for more. Mm, There it is. (laughs) He's going to save us from unapproved thoughts. Now, for years, U.S. lawmakers have been using threats of profit-destroying consequences to pressure Silicon Valley companies into limiting online speech in a way that aligns with the interests of Washington, effectively creating a system of government censorship by proxy. And it would appear that we're seeing a new expansion of this phenomenon today, warns Caitlin Johnstone. And she says the imperial media are pushing for more articles and news segments warning of the sinister threat posed by Russian propaganda to misinform and divide Western populations using the Internet are being churned out at a rate that's only likely to increase as this latest narrative management campaign gets into full gear. The Associated Press has a new article out, for example, titled War via TikTok, Russia's new tool for propaganda machine. So here are a couple of excerpts. AP warns, armies of trolls and bots stir up anti-Ukrainian sentiment. State-controlled media outlets look to divide Western audiences. Clever TikTok videos serve up Russian nationalism with a side of humor. The AP goes on to say analysts at several different research organizations contacted by the Associated Press said they are seeing a sharp increase in online activity by groups affiliated with the Russian state. That's in keeping with Russia's strategy of using social media and state-run outlets to galvanize domestic support while seeking to destabilize the Western alliance. Now, let's flesh this out for just a moment. The different research organizations AP ends up citing include Syabra. That's an Israeli tech company that works to detect disinformation, as well as the state-funded NATO narrative management firm, the Atlantic Council. And Caitlin Johnstone says, as tends to happen whenever a consensus begins to form that a certain category of speech must be purged from the Internet, 
Imperial spinmeisters are already working to expand the definition of Russian propaganda, which must be purged from the Internet to, in- to include independent anti-imperialist commentators like her. For instance, uh, she has uh, Robert Potter, who's an imperial narrative manager, calling for her to be uh, labeled state-affiliated media on Twitter and ideally deplatformed across, across all Western social media. In her case, simply because Russia Today is one of many outlets who occasionally choose to republish some of her blog posts for free. So Robert Potter says, here's a couple of very simple actions that need to be taken. Number one, remove fake accounts posting Russian disinfo and Ukrainian movements. Number two, tag Russia Today columnists as state-affiliated media. And number three, consider deplatforming Russia Today and columnists across Western social media. And he specifically highlights Caitlin Johnstone. This is a post from Caitlin Johnstone. She pushes large amounts of Russian propaganda across Twitter, but she's actually an op-ed columnist for Russia Today. None of this is disclosed on the account. But the truth is, she's not a writer for Russia Today. She says, I'm not, as Potter claims, an op-ed columnist for Russia Today. I don't work for RT. I don't write for RT. I don't submit articles to RT. And I've never been paid by RT or the Russian government. Russia Today is just one of the outlets who sometimes avail themselves of my long-standing invitation for anyone who wants to republish my work free of charge. That RT editors would find my daily rants against Western imperialism agreeable is not scandalous or conspiratorial, but normal and self-evident. Yet for agents of imperial narrative control like Potter, who ironically works directly for the U.S. State Department, but thinks my posts should be labeled state-affiliated media by Twitter... She says even in, even this is enough to justify complete silencing. And she says, I would not be in the slightest bit surprised to see a great deal more of these efforts as the new Cold War continues to escalate. She says, the Center for Countering Digital Hate, that's an empire-loyal NGO ostensibly focused on fighting racism and prejudice, has published a report accusing Facebook of failing to label Russian propaganda as such 91% of the times it occurs. And the CCDH decried Mark Zuckerberg's failure to stop Facebook being weaponized by the Russian state. Now, this sudden narrative management thrust has also seen RT taken off the air in nations like Australia, Germany and Poland, with pressures mounting in France and the UK to follow suit. And this despite the fact that all Western powers would have to do to eliminate RT completely is simply start allowing leftist or anti-imperialist voices to be heard on mainstream media platforms. She says it would immediately suck up RT's entire foreign audience as people who previously needed to look outside the mainstream for sane perspectives gravitate towards media made with much better funding and a higher level of talent. But she says, of course, we know that's all we all know that's never going to happen. The imperial media aren't going to subvert RT by platforming voices who dispute the empire's narratives, no matter how badly they hate it. Because the exact reason they hate RT is because it disputes the empire's narratives. They're not worried about Russian propaganda operations. They're worried about someone else running interference on their own propaganda operations. Here's another tweet as an example. 
Caitlin Johnstone in this tweet asks, Nazis in Ukraine, Russian propaganda. U.S.-backed coup in 2014, Russian propaganda. Donbass provocations, Russian propaganda. U.S. allies armed terrorists in Syria, Russian propaganda. Mass media is propaganda, Russian propaganda. Government's not your friend, Russian propaganda. This is why Mark Warner was saying, well, I'm concerned about Russian disinformation spreading online. That's why he wrote to the CEOs of the major tech companies, asking them to redistrict the spread, restrict rather, the spread of Russian propaganda. Do you see how the, the limits of what is allowed to be discussed are being artificially narrowed? through that Russian propaganda. And by the way, I understand there are people right now listening going, Brian, what you're saying sounds a lot like Russian propaganda to me because in some way it's causing you discomfort or it's challenging something that you may hold to be true. Please understand, just because I may not be taking your side does not mean that I have taken Putin's side. And if if you have switched into that binary thinking, that's, well, you're either with us or you're against us, take a deep breath Step back and ask yourself, why trust any of them? Because that's what I'm asking you to do. Now, as far as, you know, trying to shut down Russia Today, do you realize, Caitlin Johnstone points out, Russia Today's audience makes up about 0.04% of TV viewing in the UK. That's why we need to shut them down. They might be influencing too many people. No, I don't think so. She says, this isn't about RT, it's about the agenda to continually expand and normalize the censorship of unauthorized speech. That's what it was about when they were pretending it was about the need to fight COVID misinformation. Before that, and when they were pretending it was about the need to fight domestic U.S. extremism. Before that, and when they were pretending it was about the need to defend election security. Before that, and when they were pretending it was about the need to fight Russian propaganda. The first time before that one cycled back around again. This is nothing new. Whoever controls the narrative controls the world. And Caitlin Johnstone reminds us, humans are storytelling creatures. So whoever can control the stories that humans are telling themselves about what's going on in the world has a great deal of control over the humans. Our mental chatter tends to dominate such a large percentage of our existence that if it can be controlled, the controller can exert a tremendous amount of influence over the way we think, act, and vote. I guess another way to put this is, look, we're the cat. The media is the laser pointer. Look how many people are obediently chasing that little green dot right now. Caitlin Johnson says the powerful understand this. Well, the general public generally does not. That's all we've been seeing in these attempts to regulate ideas and information as human communication becomes more and more rapid and networked. An entire oligarchic empire is built on the ability to prevent us from realizing at mass scale that that the empire doesn't serve us and it inflicts great evil upon our world. The question of whether our species can awaken to its highest potential or not boils down to whether our dominators will succeed in locking down our minds or whether we will find some way to break free. Okay, that's what programs like this and others that you will hear on the America Out Loud Network. That's what this is about. Finding your way free of this mental straitjacket that so many are trying to put on you from so many different angles. So, 
hopefully if I haven't pushed you too far, I'm now going to push just a little bit more. And again, this is not to, to convince you that you're wrong and therefore you're dumb or you're evil. But isn't it interesting how quickly people are falling all over themselves to show their solidarity with Ukraine? I mean, I see, you know, traffic signs going up. Utah stands with Ukraine. And, you know, oh, look, we're lighting up our, our uh, we have a lighted letter on the hill for the city. And, oh, look, it's now in blue and yellow. And, look, I think people are probably coming at this from a good place in the sense that they're, they're just trying to do something. I'm trying to show sympathy. I'm trying to show support but they don't have the slightest idea that they're being manipulated in so doing. They're just kind of jumping on the bandwagon and, you know, this is what people do and this is the time to stand up and look at these heroes, look at this. And I'm sorry if it sounds jaded, but I just, I don't see it that way. I see some very complex situations which cannot be easily explained as uh, we good, they bad, you know, or, you know, there's the, this one's wearing a black hat, so he must be a bad guy, and they're wearing white hats, so they must be the good guys. Let me see if I can bring this home. Looking at the goodcitizen.substack.com. Ukraine in the membrane. And this, this, is, <clears throat> this is about as unsugarcoated as it gets. The article starts with insane in Ukraine. And says, President Volodymyr Zelensky is as much a puppet dictator of a dysfunctional oligarchy installed through elections by global global managers as Joe Biden is a puppet president of a dysfunctional corporatocracy installed through elections by global managers. You can't talk about either without being slandered a conspiracy theorist. The discerning mind knows there are no more conspiracy theories. The phrase itself was invented as a misinformation tool by the CIA to smear those who asked too many inconvenient questions after they assassinated a president in 1963 right in front of Abraham Zapruder's camera and the world. No matter how many holes there are in a prepared narrative, including obvious coups, assassinations, and lately, Western fixed elections, one is just supposed to shut up and not believe their lying eyes. Now we're told to shut up and believe Ukraine is a democracy fighting to defend liberal values and Zelensky is a brave leader defying evil aggression. Now the article says the hero worship of Zelensky making the rounds on the propaganda outlets and being amplified on attention networks is the stuff of legend. War is always just propaganda. The servants of power in the Ukrainian Borg and the war hawks in both parties and their echoes of the Blue Check Brigade across the West want people to believe a hypothetical Western liberal future wouldn't be a near first in that poor vassal state. But never mind the facts. In the fog of war propaganda, it's a time for emotions only. The comics' performances have been spectacular feats of Western manipulation, guilting countries like Germany and Sweden to send more weapons that will likely require a thank-you card from Putin. The comic continues to engineer attention networks attention network mobs to pile on the increase of sanctions that will hurt the mobs more than the Russians. Now, he's still definitely a comic, but Zelensky's also a dangerous lunatic who wants to bring the whole world down with his corrupt regime. With the Western corporate state media propagandists manipulating the Ukrainian Borg who are incessantly cheering him on, this will not end well. The comic's demands become more insane by the day. 
We call on all civilized countries to impose an embargo on Russian oil products, ban Russian citizens from entering your territory, and disconnect Russia from SWIFT, the uh, global uh, financial transaction system. We call on NATO, Europe, the United States to close the sky over Ukraine. End quote. So here's the comic suicide pact translation. Russia is uncivilized despite us poking them for years in exchange for billions in U.S. aid that we funnel to the U.S. elites or their sons like Hunter Biden. Banning Russian energy will destroy the people of the West who pay enormous amounts for natural gas and petrol. But isn't that a small price to pay for solidarity with me, the chosen puppet of the Ukrainian oligarchy? Disconnecting Russia from SWIFT will send them further into the arms of the dragon and Iran, setting the stage for World War III. But isn't that a small price to pay for me, the puppet of Western hyenas? Now here's another quote from Zelensky. This will not mean your military confrontation with Russia. This will mean that you will have stopped that you have stopped the war and your descendants will remember you as heroes. For our part, we will continue to defend our own land. We will not give up and we will destroy our enemies. Here's the comic suicide pact translation. You can be heroes and stop the war. I know I could do it in one minute by phone, but the hyenas won't let me. What do you say, Western civilization? Stand with us and help us keep poking the bear by sacrificing thousands of Ukrainian civilians so I stay in power and the media keep calling me a hero? End quote. Now see, a real hero would take his ill-gotten gains and walk away to play the funny bone or the laugh factory, thereby saving thousands of his compatriots' lives. Unfortunately for the Ukrainian people, the comic and his buddies are intent on using them as cannon fodder for Western propaganda campaigns and their incessant bear-poking operations. Arming civilians in Kiev who don't know anything about firearms and putting them in battle is a cynical ploy to make them victims for Western media propaganda campaigns. Unfortunately for Europe and the West... The comic is calling out Papa Dementia for not sending in U.S. forces to defend his oligarch puppet regime, which has enriched Papa Dementia and his crackhead son. The Ukrainian money laundering machine is on the verge of collapse. Where will Papa Dementia, his son, John Kerry's son, Romney's son, Pelosi's son, and others in the West be acquiring dirty money from U.S. aid, if not washed on the boards of Ukrainian energy companies? There's a lot at stake. And the comic's lips are getting pretty loose. We all know what happens with loose lips. Let's hope he doesn't board a CIA-leased helicopter if if Kiev fails, or falls, rather. So the bear has growled and is presently doing some light mauling, although it's not going as quickly as planned. The West are still all eager to embrace their inner hyena and be stupid and treacherous, endangering the world by threatening for the first time in history a direct conflict between two nuclear superpowers. Insanity doesn't even begin to describe the mess in Ukraine that could be ended with one phone call. Which brings us to the narrative managers. The corporate state propagandists have been hard at work selling the world one lie after another. War is their time to shine, and after two years of silent war propaganda, they're ready and they're good and ready to deliver some hot, some proxy hot war gems. All of it is designed to manipulate the unthinking masses who outsource their brains to the narrative managers and resort to expressing their manipulated feelings as if they were valid. Whenever panic and hysteria kick in, people shut their brains off, and you'd better be feeling what they're feeling, or they'll get angry. The latest feeling we're all supposed to have is that Putin is evil and Russia is a monster state. 
Well, Putin is one of the smartest and most rational statesmen alive. And while he may be corrupt and a dictator, he certainly shares many of the same qualities as Biden, Trudeau, Macron, also Ardern, Johnson, and other corrupt Western traitors who lock up their citizens, suspended civil liberties, jail political opposition, and force toxic bioweapons on millions of their innocent, unsuspecting citizens. How are they any less evil? Trudeau just seized bank accounts of law-abiding citizens, working-class peaceful protesters, the things they want us to believe. In international relations theory, Putin is simply doing what any smart leader would do. He's cleaning up a mess at his border that's been out of hand for eight years. He tried the diplomatic path and was rebuked at every step by a CIA and Pentagon-controlled Western executive branch under Obama, then Trump, and now especially under Biden. They funneled more money, more arms, and spread more lies about Russia each year, blaming Putin on CIA and FBI domestic coups, on election meddling that was actually done by Clinton and Obama. And now after 20 years of poking a bear who's finally growling a bit, they want to paint him as a lunatic dictator who will start World War III. They're even saying he suffered mental effects of long COVID. Now, you really would have to have kept your head in the sand the past two decades to buy a word of it. And yet millions around the world are eating it up as truth. The only truth is that the propagandists aren't even very good at what they do. In fact, you might say they're getting sloppy. And here's some great examples. You know, they, they, they show um, a gas explosion in Ukraine used as a Western front page war propaganda. It's a woman burned, covered with bandages. But it was from a blood. It was it was from a, a gas explosion in 2018. But now, you know, her blood His hands. Okay. Putin invades. Here's another one. This is a tweet from August of 2021. Breaking CNN. Journalist uh, Bernie Gores executed in Kabul by Taliban soldiers. We're working with U.S. officials to get several more journalists out of Afghanistan at this time. Our thoughts are with Bernie's family. Boy, that's a distinctive face. Oh, and then what's this? Oh, look, this is a tweet uh, from much more recently. We're sad to announce that the first American casualty of the Ukraine crisis has taken place. Thoughts and prayers with the family of activist Bernie Gores, who passed away this morning after a mine planted by Russian-backed separatists exploded. By the way, CNN are the ones who sent this out. There's CNN, uh, I guess, this is CNN Afghanistan, and now the CNN Ukraine. It's the same guy. I mean, I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence, but how can you reconcile using the same person for two different things other than just blatant manipulation of public opinion? Let's talk about the Ukrainian Borg. The article here from The Good Citizen says the same branch Covidians who gave their brains to the state managers and their arms to Pfizer and Moderna are now signaling their love of the blue and yellow. The flags are everywhere, the propaganda right below it. The meaningless gestures flow from those who, again, outsource their brains to the narrative managers and resort to expressing their manipulated feelings as if they were valid. If they really supported the Ukrainian people, they'd be demanding their oligarch dictator do the right thing and disavow NATO membership, which was never on the table anyway. They have no clue what's really going on and rush to join the herd, rushing, running toward the pre-approved meadow to chew on the carefully prepared narratives and images designed to manipulate and control them. Now, we're told some of the lies are spread to keep morale high. 
Well, apparently they've killed or captured 4,300 Russian troops in 72 hours and destroyed 146 Russian tanks, despite having almost zero air power since the third hour of the conflict. I mean, Joseph Goebbels would be embarrassed if he handed something like this to Hitler, and yet millions assimilated to the Ukrainian Borg celebrate all this propaganda as fact. Ukraine's Ministry of Defense wants civilians to buy this false hope, so they rush to spill their blood for Ukrainian oligarchs and Western hyenas. And the Western media cheers them on. There are reports of bars and restaurants across the U.S. and Canada pouring out their Russian vodka to, to, to show solidarity with Ukraine? Come on, Republican governors are eager to reveal their true genius and follow with meaningless gestures. The cowards are all running to get in line, afraid of being called names by the regime, party media managers, and their intel spook bosses. Where is the opposition party in times of conflict to ask important questions and to challenge the Borg? When it comes to supporting Western proxy wars, a politician's devotion must be absolute, even if absolutely moronic. Two examples. Here's Governor Chris Sununu. This morning I signed an executive order instructing New Hampshire liquor wine outlets to begin removing Russian-made and Russian-branded spirits from our liquor and wine outlets until further notice. New Hampshire stands with the people of Ukraine in their fight for freedom. Here's Greg Abbott from Texas. I've asked the members of the Texas Restaurant Association... Texas Package Stores Association and all Texas retailers to voluntarily remove all Russian products from their shelves. Texas stands with Ukraine. Now, Greg Abbott kind of has a reputation of being a pretty solid and grounded individual, but there he is, jumping on the bandwagon. The article goes on to say the Republican opposition, who were at least semi-coherent during the bioweapons madness, have completely disappeared. Their latest political talking points read something like this. This never would have happened under Trump. Joe Biden's weakness makes the world unsafe. Now, using the conflict, which is probably intentional and by design for cheap political points, is amusing. Trump would be reacting to this engineered conflict just as bad as Biden with all the pointless sanctions that paved the way for a global conflagration between nuclear powers. He would drive Putin straight into the hands of the dragon like Papa Dementia is doing with a few more harsh words for the dragon. China. The executive office is a symbolic position that is made increasingly impotent by the real forces of power in the intelligence community who control the media and can render a president completely useless with propaganda alone. In fact, Trump was harsher than Biden on Russia because of the baseless collusion allegations he was trying to outrun and outperform. That doesn't mean he would have avoided folly in Ukraine since he did send weapons to the comics regime. It's rumored that he told Putin he would bomb Moscow if he invaded Ukraine. Sounds like a nice tough guy rumor Trump's acolytes would plant for the MAGA Borg to chew up and disseminate across attention networks as if it's some Cold War peace through strength Reagan-esque tall tale. If it is true, it makes him extremely stupid and dangerous since Ukraine is not of strategic vital interest to the U.S., but much more so for Russia. A neutral Ukraine and friendly ties between the U.S. and Russia should be the goal of Western foreign policy in preparation for the rising dragon. But they want to drive Russia toward the dragon. Every action taken the past decade has driven the bear to dance with the dragon, and it will cost the West dearly when the real conflict starts. The tit-for-tat is already ratcheting up nuclear tensions to Cold War levels, all for an oligarch puppet regime in Ukraine. 
The Borg don't even realize while they were busy adjusting their pronouns and fighting for the rights of men to ruin women's sports, Russia was busy developing hypersonic weapons that could take out U.S. aircraft carriers and military bases with no chance of response. So here we are, back to 1982, because the West is run by suicidal hyenas. So the bottom line here is the media are lying everywhere. The war is being managed by Western intelligence agencies and their lackeys in the press who push out hero stories to manipulate and inspire. Most are false, complete tall tales of Ukrainian resistance to the Russian menace. The big narrative can never be questioned. Ukraine is fighting for its future against an evil despotic regime, and we all need to offer our support to the side of good versus evil. Well, what makes Ukraine good and Russia evil? Russia is the aggressor. That's it. But by that standard, the U.S. is the most evil country in the world, having instigated 91% of all global wars the past 60 years, not to mention coups, assassinations, and fixed elections. But hey, let's play along anyway. Now, there's much more to this article, but I'll let you figure this out for yourself. The war fetish stories, like these in corporate media about manipulated citizens rushing to be cannon fodder for Western insanity, are heartbreaking. They're not inspiring or patriotic, as some reporters claim. The media managers are eager to watch these civilian bodies pile up so they can use them not once, but twice as propaganda against Putin. And here's the here's a photograph of people eagerly reporting for their first roll call. I know this is pretty provocative stuff and it's probably hurting some feelings, but question everything, including what I'm telling you. Question it. Own your mind, own your worldview. This is the Disciples of Liberty on the America Out Loud Network. <laughs> 